Hello, everyone in podcast land. Thank you for joining us at the Miniature Wargaming Labs podcast. I'm James. And I'm Brian. And today, our topic is fear of missing out. Now, I won't acronym, acronym, acronymize, acronymize. Brian, what, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, Acronymize? Short. <laughs> Make short. <laughs> I don't know big words. I know two small words that do the same thing. Uh, well, you know, this is actually a topic I stole from the Game 4 podcast, which I'm an avid listener of. And, you know, it's something we talked about doing, but then they did a podcast on fear of missing out. And I was like, well, I can't do that topic. But there's been a couple items that have come around that honestly, you can tell as a consumer that there are people that are using fear of missing out to jerk you around. Um, but we'll talk about that later. Brian, what have you had on your hobby desk? So I decided to get back and start painting my 40K again. Um, I got a little... inspiration to start my orcs again um so i started painting orcs uh nothing exciting just uh you know painting the 200 count horde of orc boys that i have um so you know it's very systematic and uh, kind of boring um gotta say next time i make an army for anything i will not choose a horde army because uh i don't want to paint the same thing 200 different times <laughs> other than my skeletons i do have a, i have an undead team and the skeletons were very very easy um because it's you know it's just i just did the contrast method of wraithbone and skeleton horde wraithbone skeleton horde wraithbone skeleton horde so it's very easy now is that the contrast paint yes or did you start the okay well i think that is the one thing the uh contrast paints are great for uh, nerglings and mm -hmm. skeletons. I think those, as an effect, they get spot on. Even oh yeah, yeah. Even compared to what you could do as more as a more advanced painter, the the ability to get that tincture on the uh, bones, like giving that uh, old and dry but bleached look to them. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really see. I that. like the dirty look, so I put an extra layer on. Oh okay, and it makes them look more. You know fresh and out of the dirt as if the teeth of a dragon were sewn into the ground and little skeletons popped out yeah exactly <laughs> uh, did you ever see that movie but uh, jason and the agronauts Argonauts? yes yes yeah. um ever... and actually the uh the terry Housen, um the guy that made the the skeletons for that movie yeah um I actually have the old school sculpts uh, from Games Workshop that I use for my horde. And I went and like specifically bought new boxes of these old style skeletons because of that movie. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Well, I, I know what you mean by highly repetitive. So I've, last time we were talking, I was doing the uh, Necromunda terrain from... Um, uh, the big box and I finally got it through that so all I'm left with is the doors um, I've got all the platforms the stairs the pylons everything done. I just got to do the doors but there's not a real rush because I've already painted the doors from the original set so if I need to gain doors I already have the doors exactly. so, so I thought you know let me knock out this pariah nexus and that pariah nexus box on the terrain you might disrespect because like oh it's only a couple sprues but let's see, I'm through all the versions of a Necron uh, crate. I just have to do the doors and the Necron version of a barrel with a little gem on it. And it's just like, that one I did a test a test paint. And then I decided I'm gonna um, like assembly line this. Mm -hmm. Just work with one color throughout. Even now it takes a while. Oh my God. <laughs> I was oh, out yeah. there like repetitive painting but, takes it. See, this is this is the reason I, I I hesitated on starting 40k for the longest time. It's because I played Infinity. I can take 10 guys, paint them each different, slightly different from each other in like a similar paint scheme, 
and it's good. That's 10 guys. I'm done. And then I move on to the next team. 40K, you know, I have, of course, you know, I had to pick orcs. So 250 guys on the field plus vehicles plus blah, 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 blah. Um, And so, you know, I did that to myself, but also, you know, I wanted to avoid it. But you can't, any big army game, you're going to have your base unit that you're going to have to paint over and over and over. See, normally I do them like uh, three to five at a time in a set Mm -hmm. when I do assembly line. So this is my first time doing like 25 of the same object. And I actually found, cause I put like a wash coat on them. You start running out of places to like set them down as like that you're okay with getting dirty from like the wash running off and sticking to it's like running out of places to put all these things to dry. But besides that um, I've started making little um, 12 inch by 12 inch um, tiles to do like Batman and MCP and Street Wars NYC to get a more Gotham look. Nice. I've actually started making these um, one foot by one foot tiles and one's gonna be a road, a piece of a park um, or a place for like the townhomes that I finished up uh, a couple episodes back. Um, so I can actually start building that three foot by three foot and not have to buy another mat. Cause what I'm finding nice. is when you buy too many mats, it's like, some point you got to fold them in half. It's not like when you're a four foot by four foot mat, it doesn't take up a lot of space, but it's really long. It's four feet long. The one foot by one foot tiles I could just stack in a box and put in uh, my shelf. That's very I have true. to worry about that right there. So um, what we wanted to do is we wanted to tow our product spotlight. And so Brian, this is a book that you got and that uh, you lent to me to look at. Um, what was the name of the game? So it is called Brutal Quest. And this is the same people that did Planet 28, right? Yeah, same person. Um, last year we reviewed that, and uh, this year for uh, Zine Quest on Kickstarter, he decided to take Planet 28 and make it a uh, skirmish fantasy game and thus was born brutal quest now i noticed all the books in his series of games are all the same side size there are the rules the same between brutal quest or planet and planet 28 are they similar Um, from what i've seen uh you kind of took the book from me (laughs) the day after i got it um but uh, it is it is the same base system. Uh, of course, you're going to have a lot of differences between sci-fi and uh, fantasy. Uh, there's there has to be there's there's changes in how fantasy battles work versus sci-fi battles. Uh, so there there are some differences, but it uses the same core system. Um, and yeah, so uh, of course these were made for Zine Quest. So they're going to be the Zine size. The anywhere from 20 to 36 pages um, and the small uh, a, a regular size paper folded in half size. Um, that is a quintessential zine. Of course, it varies from there, but that is what is the norm for a zine. Um, so yeah, so they're small, they're easy to read. Um, they're very light rules it's not very comprehensive but also it's very it it has everything it needs well so looking so you let me that stack of books um brutal quest planet 28 and space weirdos so i started Mm -hmm. with planet 28 because that has the armor rules and the solo rules um Mm -hmm. attached you lent me those books too so the thing i noticed about planet 28 is the rules are very slimmed down but someplace where it slimmed down was like um, board and terrain dimensions and scenario and campaign rules. Mm-hmm. That's something that like, if you compare it to like an Osprey blue book or any of the Osprey hardbacks, um, that's the section they took out. So they just gave you rules to a game. Yes. Which, you know, it made me think it's makes it more akin to Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinders. Like if you only had the DM's guide and the player's handbook, there's no, there's nothing in there about, um, well, here's an adventure. Exactly. Strip all that out. And see, that's why 
that's why I found these is because uh, it was during Zine Quest, which Zine Quest is focuses on role playing games in Zine size. Um, and that's very much how these zines work is you have one zine, that's your core rules. And then the next thing that comes out will be uh, adventure or a campaign. Um, the one I, I just got, a, I got I one recently that was four different zines. One had magic rules, one had uh, fighter rules, one had the core rules and one had an adventure. And you bought all four zines together. Um, so it, it's it's meant to be a DIY, very indie kind of way of getting into and producing games um, that really started with uh, RPGs in the gaming world. The zines have existed for a long time, but they started getting into the gaming world uh, a couple years ago. Um, and from there, people started going into miniature games because, you know, the miniature games that have been out, you know, big rule books, 40K, AOS, um warlord games i mean all of these have like big rule books or even like even the rule books that are small they're still bigger than a zine so we're uh the movement is trying to you know simplify everything into a small format which i i appreciate on the size but i was thinking about it is it something for a beginner because without like say you're a beginner and like the terrain rules are like, I oh, just use a kitchen table. Is that a little too free form without someone with the, some experience in other war games to say, because I noticed like with planet 28, it's a 10 centimeter move. So if I set up on a, like, well, I see everyone at the store on a six by four foot board and you start moving 10 centimeters there, you're going to be playing for a while. <laughs> for a long time. Yeah. And so that's a very good question. And I think that's also a good topic for another uh, talk. Um, because I, I've i been asking that question myself uh, a lot. Is what is good for a beginner? And what constitutes as a be beginner game? To me, for the longest time, the more simple it is, the more it's it's easy to be introduced to people but the more you look at it you're right is is it too open are things that are too simplified too open for people that haven't played these type of things before to gather so as, as me and you we've played a lot before we played a lot of different games we could take simple rules and put a bubble around them we know where to stop. We know how to create these games because we've played these games. So we, you could give us a simple rule set and we can work with it because it, within boundaries because we know the boundaries. If you don't know the boundaries, then it's very hard to find those boundaries. And so oftentimes you over, overstep them. Um, so and I've been looking at like games like Dean Dungeons and Dragons and why so many people start with that and 40 K why so many people start with that. And I think it is because there is a lot of rules and it sets the boundaries very clearly. Um, you know what you're doing, you know, what size board, you know, how much terrain, you know, what your people do, you know, what size game you're going to be playing, you know, the rules for every little thing you do. So you have these boundaries. It sets up these boundaries, and it gives you the expectations of a game. So no, that's a that's a very good question. Uh, it is. I would say you would actually need some experience to play these because you need to learn those boundaries and how to use a light rule system with your own boundaries. Because yeah, I think at least when Dungeons and Dragons first came out, if you only had like the core rule books, so. I came in in like second edition. So you buy the player's handbook, dungeon master handbook, not the original like um, Basic box expert. sets. Well, yeah, the colored box sets or like keep on the borderlands, something like that, um, which had an adventure attached to the character creation rules. Mm -hmm. um, you could always go back to uh, Tolkien. It's like you just recreate like Lord of the Rings. So exactly it, that those tropes are so embedded in the zeitgeist that you could actually just have, what does an adventure look like? Well, it looks like this book I've read. Now with Planet 28, um, I was trying to think, well, where's there something that's culturally prevalent that you could actually like 
insert in there like well maybe star wars um star trek episodes yeah you could fit that in there and now that, that would fit well with it but is that prevalent enough that everyone would sit down and agree like well here's how many goblins or klingons i'll run into on the board that will make for a balanced game without you know experimenting for five games to say you know well that wasn't fun we got slaughtered because i put too many of this out there or well that was no problem because there was not enough of that out there well that was simple exactly yeah so that's the the boundaries thing is is how do you know how to set up scenarios and what to expect from a scenario in a game um, which is why D&D and 40K are so popular is because, you know, you don't have you, 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 everything is given to you. Your boundaries are set up for you. So you can, you don't have to think about it, but you're learning. You don't think that you're learning because all the rules are there, but this, I've had to change my mindset on a lot of the, how rules are thought of and how games are made and, why certain games are more popular than others because i mean i love the simple games but they're not as popular as D&D. and you know that's that's why is that I, I have to ask myself that a lot and i think that's one of the big reasons is because they're popular with people that play a lot because they have the foundation built by those beginner games like D&D and 40k so you have to have that foundation of knowledge uh, on what to expect from a game and what a game looks like in order to play with these more esoteric and simple rule sets. Yeah. All right. I think that will be a topic for uh, another day. Discussing. Yeah, definitely. We, we I were a little talk for a while but, about that. <laughs> you no, know, but let's, uh, let's segue into our uh, fear of missing out here. So, both what we've talked about with uh, Brutal Quest and Planet 28 are Kickstarters. Yes. And Kickstarter for me is probably the greatest source of fear of missing out on something because it's naturally designed to try to pull you in at a single point in time to get you to unload your wallet to, towards, a reach, uh, towards a vendor. Now, when we talk about fear of missing out, there's, there's two ways. Um, one is access to since we're uh miniature war gamers miniatures or uh price and kickstarter is probably the ultimate of offering you exclusives on miniatures in a certain range Mm -hmm. and um really good prices on there they offer you some more reasonable than others discounts to get the project off the ground now delivery times will be a long way off but they're or numerous Kickstarters, like, well, this is the Kickstarter exclusive miniature. Um, but it's not just Kickstarter. Games Workshop also does this with um, some of their special release store models. Exclusives. Yeah, the store exclusives. Anniversary and my, exclusives. And so though the real reason we were going to do this episode, even though other podcasts have done it recently, is um, I saw that you brought into Etten a Chaplin Terminator into the store. And it is the Chaplin Terminator that I had one and I got years ago when the Games Workshop in Annapolis, Maryland first opened. And to get that Chaplin Terminator, you had to show up on the day the store opened, get your punch card, buy your exclusive store opening Terminator Captain with uh, a special little weapon system on his arm, which I have. Um, Then when you got your punch card, you had to do certain things to like fill out the punch card and then you would have to come back one month after the opening of the store show that you punched your card and believe me you had to spend some money to get some of those punches some were pretty easy like say hello post on social media um, but others were like buy some stuff equal to this value <laughs> but then you come back and you buy that chaplain terminator so of course i talked to the store owners able to get like a couple off his hands there um because not many people hit that requirement of like doing everything you needed to do Mm -hmm. and so you know i unloaded them on ebay got my money back to justify the whole rigmarole there 
but then you got what, 20 yeah, 20 of them i got like <laughs> 20 of them <laughs> and that you know that actually made me feel cheated because it's like i went through a lot of garbage and i hadn't even gotten around to opening up <laughs> You had to wait a whole month to buy it. (laughs) And then once I got him, I was so afraid to touch him. Like, I don't want to mess this guy up. It was such a pain to get. Hey, do you want an extra two, three? I mean, they got him. (laughs) Well, so I I think that touches on the reality of fear of missing out is that um, it's artificial. It is. and It's created by someone else. It's a topic. You've got meteors. (laughs) Yeah. um, But with it. Talking about that model is I had somebody come in and ask for 10 of them. Um, It didn't click in my mind that he was going to sell them on eBay again. I was just like, oh, well, he needs wants them for a miniature thing. And then he came in and he was familiar to me. And I was like, I don't know why this guy's familiar. I mean, I see a lot of people. I work at the game store. There's a lot of people that, you know, come in every once in a while. Um, But then... Like he left and it clicked in my mind who he was. And he's one of our local scalpers. Um, and I, I, I hit myself like, why did I sell him 10? I was like, I, I have plenty. I got 20. I was like, I was, I was like, I was, I was kind of kicking myself for buying that many. I was like, these are going to sit here forever. And I was excited that somebody wanted 10 of them. And then it like clicked in my mind. I was like, wait, this guy's a scalper. This guy is preying on the fear of missing out. He's going to grab 10 of them. He was good. He was wanting to buy all of them, but I was like, no, that, no, I want, <laughs> I want some for other people. Um, so I let him go with 10 and later I went, uh, I, I was, I talked to some other, the local people that know him and I figured out his website and I went onto his website and sure enough, he was selling each of them for $50 a piece where I sold them for $35. Um, so if you are local and you are looking for that, Hey, hit me up but <laughs> um he people like that will find those things and buy them in bulk um and then sell them to you so you don't miss out on it there's plenty available on the marketplace but you're gonna pay a fee for it well you know doesn't games workshop encourage that with their store exclusives because and, and he's he's providing a service, so it's not so much his fault as Games Workshop created the rarity, and you as a consumer, it might be worth. Well, I, I sold mine for ninety. Um, See exactly, but, but you also didn't buy ten of them. No, he wouldn't sell me ten. Believe me, I would have bought ten off of them <laughs> if he was willing to. <laughs> but no, um. So little little story. I did buy seventy eight of the um, store exclusive Terminator uh, captains, like the the store opening day one. Yeah, so the Annapolis, Maryland. Yeah. So the Annapolis, Maryland. He brought like a hundred in. He bought a hundred, and that store was full the first day. And you know, like the the single store guys like to bring in cookies and everything. Oh yeah. And there are little kids running around touching all the cookies. So it's like oh, I can't eat those cookies now. <laughs> These disgusting gremlins have touched them. Um, but, you know, I bought mine and I left and I came back like a week later and um, it's like, oh, do you still have those? So like, hey, can I pick up three more? And then I came back like two weeks later and he still had them. He only unloaded like 22 on the store opening. And so he was he was really schwitzing out on that one because, you know, he told games workshop give me a hundred like he begged for a hundred he's telling me like give me a hundred give me a hundred i can i can move them and like you imagine he only moved like 22 so uh, he was like know. sitting on a pile of these exclusives and i was like you know these are hard to find um and so after i bought three i said you know what would you like to sell all of them to me i'll just take them right now so yeah he rang him up so it was like one scan times 75 and is over a thousand dollars. And of course, Erin found the receipt afterwards. And so she thought it was a typo. So she thought it was like $13 and 25 cents. Then she saw like where the comma was and there's some extra digits on the end. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I only, 
since I had so many, I didn't actually charge that big of a markup just because I had so many to unload and I wanted to move them quickly. Yeah. So I only charged an extra 10 bucks, but you figure the only other way to get those would to be on a certain day at a certain store. Yeah. And like, if you're living in California, you're not making it to Lafayette, Maryland. And there was one time I thought about going to like the Boston area because a new store was opening just to get that model. And so it's like, I'm sure there are plenty of people that are happy. You know what? This saves me on gas, airfare, hotels. Exactly. Go get this model. Yeah. So I mean, people are willing to pay the extra because they're not able to get to that point in time to get it. Um, as we but saw also the these models chapel. are usually better looking and more, you know, there's more that goes into them than a regular model that you can buy every day. Um, a big example is, was the, the, the white dwarf, uh, the futuristic, uh, one that was the, that came with the black dwarf or the, the black goblin. Grom, I know it's Grom Brindle. And he's the tech priest. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that was released one time. Um, the owner of Atten wanted one because he plays Mechanicus and he just wanted it really bad. He can't get it at all. So he ha- he couldn't get to the store that's all the way in another city. Um, so he paid somebody to go get it for him. Uh, so, but another big thing is... Uh, convention exclusives so when you go to gen con or uh adepticon there's usually one or two models from different companies that you could only get there um one of the one of the big ones that i have a lot of are the infinity miniatures um i have you got me a couple from adepticon or was it adepticon no, no, it was or nova open nova Last... open. so you got me a couple from nova open and those were actually made by a th- third-party company for uh infinity but i also have a lot of the gen con ones because i have friends that go to gen con and so i have a bunch of the gen con exclusive infinity miniatures which i haven't touched they're still in the they're still in the thing but if i ever wanted to sell them i could sell them for a pretty penny because not everyone could go to gen con it's very expensive airfare hotel staying for a week getting into the convention, staying in line for an hour and a half to just get that one miniature, and you're giving up a whole bunch of other stuff. If, you, if you're staying in line for a single miniature for an hour and a half, think of all the stuff you just missed. Yeah. So people pay a lot of money to get these very exclusive miniatures. You know, it's um, it's kind of a status symbol to show how hardcore you are, like how of a real fan. Like I'm, I'm a real fan, so it's like... I followed the dead, you know, for five years. Did you? So you're not a real fan uh, type. Um, and of course, that's probably why I felt cheated by like the chaplain. <laughs> the, the because chaplain you're the terminated. real fan. Yeah. I, you you uh, did the work. You, you went to the store. <laughs> you took the time out of your day to do that. Well, but you know, at least what I appreciate is when it has no relevance in the game. So like, the uh, Chaplain Terminator has no relevance to the game. They already had a Chaplain Terminator sculpt. Um, yes. I have it in metal. So this was just an alternate sculpt. So it's like, there's no real relevance in the day game. I don't need it for anything. It's not like um, what Fantasy Flight did at Adepticon with like the exclusive, uh, was it Darth Vader? Yeah, it's like you, we're only or making like Luke X. Skywalker that was <laughs> recently put out. Yes, which I got because you know I showed up at the right time and I know you guys. <laughs> exactly. Like... Yep. But you know that's it's an artificial scarcity that says I don't want to miss this because I'll never get it again, um, and so it creates that anxiety into you that I am going to miss out on this and I'm going to regret it afterwards. You don't want to be in that situation of, gosh, I wish back then I had bought this. Kind of like, mm-hmm. I wish I'd bought gold at $250 an ounce back 
when I got married. Uh, I wish I got do- doge coin at. I knew you were going to bring up the. Cents. I knew you were going to bring up the doge coins. <laughs> it's doge. No, it's not. It's <laughs> cryptocurrency is stupid. It's, it's just money it's laundering. It's the way of the future. It's just money laundering in a different name. <laughs> but, but, you know, as as I saw with some of this fear of missing out, sometimes what you have to realize is that fear is misfounded because it's not useful for the game. And as I found with the chaplain, am I ever going to get to this thing? I saw it as so precious that I was too afraid to like mess it up. Say, well, let me get my skills up. Well, my skills are better than when I bought it. I still haven't touched it yet because I haven't Mm -hmm. needed it for any reason. And so when I, I see you've got it like on Facebook that you got like 20 of them. It's like, well, I really didn't miss out, did I? So it's kind of like that anxiety is artificially created by the vendor that's selling it out there. And as we've seen with like Games Workshop, it's like, well, I missed out on this Terminator Chaplain, but years later, here it is again. What other models are going to become up for the made to order? Um, because I've seen this like Spectre Minis like convention exclusives or Kickstarter exclusives of like, oops, we found some in my back shelf at a certain point of time when my business really needs money. All of a sudden these exclusive miniatures have found their way back out into retail again. (laughs) Well, and see, so the store exclusives and stuff like that, that's, that's definitely one thing. But when you, when you start talking about Kickstarter, that's a whole different thing because when you look at Kickstarter, I've been doing Kickstarter for a while and I do a lot of Kickstarters and there's always Kickstarter exclusives. And there's also timed things. Uh, I Kickstarted something recently that was, hey, for the first two days, if you back at this level, you will save $200. Yes, the early the early bird specials. The, the early bird specials. And then if you get to, if we get to certain amounts, everybody at this level or above will get these cool things. So it's really, they want, it, it's uh, wanting you to increase your, what you're putting into it to get to that level. So you don't miss out on those cool new things that you only those levels get. Um, so, and one of the biggest sellers online that I ever, that I see are Kickstarter exclusive stuff. Um, doesn't matter what it's for. If it's a Kickstarter exclusive, it's usually costs more than the game that it's for. <laughs> uh, one of the big ones are like Simon games, any cool mini or not games, like uh, all of their board games that they've ever kickstarted, which is a large number. Um, if you look at Blood Rage or um, Red Sun, is it Red Sun? Rising Sun, Rising Sun. Um, and some of their other miniature games, like they have exclusives that people will buy. Like if you have that one thing, they'll buy everything just to get that. Whether or not they have everything else already, they're willing to shell out for that thing because that was a Kickstarter exclusive that you could only get at that point, And they missed that and they're missing out and you don't want to miss out why would you want to miss out well you know that's so i recently buy backed blue light miniatures i brought this up in one of the previous ones whether i was going to do it and decided to go ahead on it but you notice the way that they structured it is um they had kickstars kickstarter exclusive miniatures um then they had like early bird specials and now if you committed to a certain level that unlocked like you'd you agree to buy these squads of like different units of modern combat miniatures. But then if you backed it like the bronze commander level, it's like, well, once it's funded, you'll get like extra two guys per squad. So you get all these other freebies in it. And I appreciate he actually put an Excel chart down at the bottom of the Kickstarter to explain that like what level you sponsor at, you'll get like these. So like the more money you threw down, the lower the cost per miniature went like yeah the bigger the commitment and so that's so he is like a double whammy, actually a triple whammy buy in early get the exclusives and get a price per model below two dollars a model and for 28 millimeter metal that's 
that's a good price. Really good. Yeah. That's that's an amazing price. And you know what I appreciate about him is he's a is a small and the ones I normally buy, buy Kickstarters right back are small independent guys who are just trying to make their molds mm-hmm. um, and try to get their business and they're going to carry them regularly. The ones I don't like and you know I don't play a lot of board games, but these board games are like one and dones. Cool, and many or like, not. Yeah, and, which I. At least from like a gaming perspective, if I'm getting your business off the ground, I'm expecting you to support these lines, carry these lines. And as we saw, um, I was able to talk Sean into backing um, Cyberpunk Red uh, for Monster Fight Club at the retail package. And to do that, I said, I'm not going to back the Kickstarter. It's kind of like Battletech. I'll just buy it when you bring it in retail. Mm -hmm. So it's like I'm supporting a game getting into retail, which will make the audience bigger which will help the game in the long run. It's not just, you know, a one and done game. These are one and done miniatures, like with the board games. Like once it's released on Kickstarter and you bought all the little exclusive pieces, you'll never see that game again in retail. Cyberpunk well, do, Red. It's years down the line and it's just the base game and nothing else that's, you know, that people were excited for. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to help a game kick over, like what Kickstarter was meant to. Let's turn this into a long-term sustainable mm-hmm. game and business for like small independent guys. Um, not, hey, how can you get 20 grand out of like uh, some of the population there? Um, I'm sorry, I, I just got to notice that Kickstarter has a Mystery Science Theater 3000 Kickstarter. See? Their, goal, See, Kickstarter their, goal was t- their goal was 2 million and they've already raised over 3 million. I oh mean, yeah, I mean, like it's MST3K. So yeah, during during pandemic shutdown, I've been watching a lot of that during work. So. I mean, it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think it's that idea. You know, let's talk about the price aspect because I think that's the easier one to fall for, is because you don't want to miss out on the price. So like Warlord Games is very big into doing this and. Um, I think I talked to you like they're doing a sprue sale, mm-hmm. but basically you can get their plastic miniature sprue frames for about under $2, under almost like a dollar a miniature out there. Now, I hadn't told you this yet, but I'm going to pass on it because the real reason I got interested in it is they had 32 millimeter cyberpunk scenery at mm-hmm. like 50% off. And they had some 32 millimeter from their strontium dog of like these, uh, they're called keelers. So like there's these militia guys um, and they would fit in with cyberpunk red. They had this certain look. Then I went to talk to you. So like, Hey, do you want anything from warlord games like orcs or skeletons? And he said, yeah, I I want these skeletons. By the time I got back, all the keelers and the um, terrain was sold out. So then I was trying to like, well, how do I, well, how do I make this order survive? Like, I don't want to miss out on like some of these Romans and some of these others. Should I get Mm -hmm. more or less? Then I thought, why am I chasing this opportunity? It's it's Warlord Games. They do this every couple months. They have a mm-hmm. sale. So it's like with sales, that's the one you've got to resist because remember, it'll come back around. It's not it'll like come back around. they're not exactly. crushing these molds. <laughs> it's not Ral Partha where they take a sledgehammer to the molds and like, you'll never see these battle tech miniatures again. Yep, exactly. <laughs> now, as... As much as I don't like fear of missing out, because I, I, you know, everybody gets it, no matter what you do. I mean, no matter how against it you are, there's always going to be something that catches your eye. I'm like, wow, if I don't do this now, I will never, ever be able to do that again. I will never be able to get that. That is that is it. Even though down the line, you probably will be able to get it. It's things aren't that hard to get anymore there's no scarcity it's all it's all false scarcity um now all these companies are pale in comparison to the fear of missing out when you look at the the mother of the companies of the, that do this uh wizards of the coast so as long as they don't follow in suit to what wizards of the coast does we'll be okay but i think what we really wanted to talk about was the game that came out recently from Games Workshop, which hit the FOMO so hard 
that people are willing to are selling this game for thousand dollars because there are so limited copies of it and that is curse city which you said would always be available which i i did i did on a a couple episodes ago i i literally said don't buy from scalpers it will be available now i will still hold to that i i i believe deep down that they will print it again there i just think i i honestly believe that there was just something that went wrong with how it was printed and they have to change the sku which means they cannot offer that same it's same quotation marks product again it will be the same product it just won't be the same product quote unquote oh i so you're imagining that this is more like curse city like a limited edition pre-run and that they'll release another box set that'll be like Curse City. It'll just be some variations in the models or something in the cards where like the game will come out again. Because with Blackstone Fortress, they printed Blackstone Fortress main box to sell the ancillary packages, the updates, like um, Ascension and Escalation. I just can't imagine that if you sold Curse City... And you said, I'm never selling this box again. You know, the second, third, fourth, and they normally do like five expansions on Mm -hmm. these uh, Warhammer quests. How can you sell those five expansions to that very limited audience? Because that expansion requires the main box to work. Exactly. Exactly. So it's like, you're right. They have to come out with another one. I think with the whole Brexit and... Uh, coronavirus and everything with that um, I think something went wrong and one of wherever they were producing it can't produce it anymore so that product that was being made was a one print run and they can't use whatever was printing it again which means that they have to go to a different printer and have it printed from that point, which at that point it is a different product with, it will have a different SKU um, and everything. And it, the only difference that you will see in it are probably the cardstock, the paper quality um, and stuff like that. That's that's the only thing I see changing from that the, the last print run to the next print one now. I don't see us getting another printing for at least a year because of how printing queues go. And if they have to go from one printer to another printer, they're, they're the back of the line. So, um, and I think they did it in one their, their Chinese producer. So now they have to do it in house, which means they have to, you know, retrofit everything to make that again. So I, we will see it again. I, I, I firmly believe that we will see it again. It's just they have to go through a lot of whole, uh, loopholes and they have to jump through hoops and do all the red tape stuff to get it back in production. Well, Which means I... we won't get it. That means that there is a limited amount of product until that happens. And until that happens, it is a very, very big product that is hitting that fear of missing out. That, but you know, the issue with fear of missing out is that you take Kickstarter and all the different game companies, you are always going to be under the threat mm-hmm. of missing out. And so I think the way you should, people should readjust their fear of missing out is if I put my money into this singular opportunity, because normally what you tell yourself is like, okay, I'm going to roll hard into this Kickstarter. I'm going to get everything, or I'm going to roll hard into this spring, summer, winter sale that Warlord Games puts out, or like um, the big Christmas packs Games Workshop puts out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to roll hard into this, and I just won't buy anything else for the rest of the year. The problem with that is there will be someone else who will come along with another opportunity that you'll be afraid to miss out on. Mm-hmm. So exactly. you have to think of it in reverse, like, a fear of opportunity cost. If I buy into this thing now, I am going to miss out on that next one. And I might like that next one more. So that, that was the thing I made with Curse City. So I didn't want to miss out with, on it. And I thought there's always a chance that this might be the only way to get this. But at the end of the day, I waited till the last minute and I, I didn't decide to pull the trigger. And I was okay with that. Um, because like, you know what? 
is this game going to be that important to me? It's the new and shiny, but is it really going to be that important to me? Because um, honestly, I saw it and said, okay, well, I'll get these heroes and they're cool and I'll get this death army, but then I'll want to add to the death army and make a real Age of Sigmar death army. And so that'll be uh, 200 bucks for this game, $300 to buy all the expansions to be a completionist. And then probably another thousand to round out the death army that I want to build because now I have all these death miniatures. It's like, you know what? Let me take that $1,500 to $2,000 opportunity cost and just file that away. <laughs> Put it into something else. Yeah. Now, I do have to give Games Workshop props that they didn't mean for this to happen. I don't think they meant for this to happen. I think this was because they want you to play their games. They want you to buy their games. They want you to buy as many of these games as you could possibly buy. So they want to produce as many of these games as they can. I mean, you could still get Blackstone Fortress. You could still go to your to any store that carries it. You could order it on their on their website. You could still get it. I think this was a, a problem with production. And they didn't promote it as like, this is going to be a one-time thing. If they promoted it as that, then I would say they are at fault. But I think that something happened and they didn't, they never promoted it as this is the only chance you're going to get um, because they don't want you to miss out. They want you to buy. They want you to have that product that you want in your hands from your store and they want you to go home with their product in your hand in your hand so they don't want you to miss out they want you to have it um that that is one thing i do i do like games workshop for is they don't want you to miss out because the stuff that you will miss out on the store exclusive stuff you can get the regular copy of it and still play you don't need that miniature to play there there's always another space marine lieutenant you don't exactly. have to buy all nine variants. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So if it is something that you need to play one of their games with, they will make sure that you can get it. And it's, I know with Curse City, because normally Games Workshop does not like, because the business model is what, at 56 models for, at $200 a box, mm -hmm. it's under $4 per mini. Games yeah. Workshop does not like selling at that price. No, they do like selling their expansion packs at $20 over what it would normally be to buy the mini and the extra cardboard. So I think it was in no way for them to depress the expansion sales by not pushing more of the main box out there, especially considering the discounts they gave what they normally charge for some of those miniatures. Exactly. Exactly. So it, the fear of missing out came when uh, the realization of there is actually a shortage. This wasn't it, this wasn't a artificial shortage. There was a literal shortage of the game. And so then that created the fear of missing out panic. People started selling it for ex exuberant prices and people were buying it at those exuberant prices. Um, but Games Workshop is not at fault for this, um, in my opinion. Uh, people want to blame them for it, and I get it. You got to blame somebody, um, and I, I don't think that they're at fault because they didn't create this scarcity. They that is not in their best interest because they're not making money off of the secondary market. They got that original. They're not the ones selling it for a thousand dollars. They sold it for two hundred, and somebody else that got it is selling it for a thousand dollars. They're not seeing any of that eight hundred dollar difference at all. So why would they do that? Their interest is money. They want you to have their product. They want you to buy the product. Why would they create scarcity? Yeah, that's, but I think that's the thing is the way we approach it is like, there's these core games that we have of like, no matter what, this will be acquired and we'll be completions in it. And then once you spread out of that core, you know, you've just got to accept that you're going to miss out on some things mm -hmm. and know that in the end, um, you're always going to miss out on something. You've got to, yep. you've got to accept that. It's, uh, time and resources are not infinite, nope. so we can't, we can't all be Jeff Bezos. Yeah, like, exactly. 
I have the fear of missing out on your private car tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was uh, Musk. Musk. Oh, Elon Musk. Sorry. I mean, they're both they're both insane. <laughs> I, you know what? I mean, insanely wealthy. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> you know, what? I bet the other guy has his own private car tunnel too. <laughs> I'm sure his he is does. bigger. He just doesn't want to share it. <laughs> <Every> like... <laughs> he doesn't need to show it off. <laughs> exactly. But <laughs> uh, I think. Uh, you go on forever talking about missed opportunities to buy things. Oh, we can start talking uh, about uh, Magic the Gathering and Dungeons and Dragons if you want to. I have plenty to say about those two, but the, this is a miniature game channel and not a Dungeons and Dragons and Magic well, the Gathering I, channel. So I, I will say this. I am waiting for the day Wizards of the Coast with their um, D&D imprint and Magic the Gathering do their own miniature skirmish game. I wonder why they haven't done that yet. That's like Coffee Underworlds. Yeah. Like, because I was thinking about it, when was the last time uh, D&D had a, a tie to miniature uh, skirmish game? And you, and you know, if it's Hasbro, it'd be like the way they did that one game of like, come to our own private Kickstarter so we can like take your money in a way oh, that we don't need to because yes. what, what was that quest hero quest oh like, my gosh talk about fear of missing out because that wasn't even just kickstarter that was their own version of kickstarter it was hasbro starter talk <laughs> about like exclusivity it was like we want all the money that we're going to make off this private to ourselves so, I mean, that's, that's big, giant companies yeah. for you. But yeah, I mean, uh, everything that we talked about pales in comparison to what Magic the Gathering players have to deal with. Um, so I think, you know, yes, we have a fear of missing out. And yes, there are things that, uh, you know, we have to think about that ha happen like that and the exclusiveness. But it's not like magic the gathering so we could be happy with what we have because we actually when you look at it with all of gaming involved we actually have a very nice slice of pie <laughs> well i i think i've told you before there's one transformer comic i have where i have nine cover variants nine well, we can even go into comic books that's another <laughs> big one there was a time idw you <laughs> That's the same. I have I have five different covers variants of uh, Walking Dead number one hundred. So, out of the ten that they made, <laughs> all right. Well, now that we've talked about that, Brian. What are what are you looking forward to? What's coming out in the miniature gaming world that you have your eyes on right now? Uh, very narrow at uh, Stargrave, um, which uh, released. Um, my store did not get there. I got my shipping confirmation that it'll be here next week. Um, sadly, I did get every one that I ordered, which means um, I will be giving up my copy to uh, some lucky person. I don't know who that is. Um, but uh, yeah, so I will be looking forward to the day that I get that. Um, you're going to have to tell me how my copy... I mean, your copy looks. Um, <laughs> so... That's what I'm looking forward to. That's just that's just been on my radar since it was announced. So. Well, let me ask, did you get the miniatures too? The Stargrave miniature packs? No, I, I didn't because uh, I have plenty of sci-fi miniatures. I mean, I played Infinity for seven years and... I, I don't I don't need any more sci-fi miniatures. I think I have plenty there. I'm waiting for the book to figure out what else I'll need before mm -hmm. I buy any more miniatures. That's fair. Well, because I think um, the way I was looking at it is um, I wasn't interested in miniatures until someone brought up that you could actually make them look like um, the cantina on Tatooine, like the background characters. It's like, well, you know, I was already going to use the Star Wars guys, like the stormtroopers, but it would be nice for them to have like, you know, scum rabble to populate a canteen area there. Yeah. Um, but I, so I'll, I'll steal the time from you. So what made me excited about the Stargrave miniatures is that you're familiar with the company War Games Atlantic and how yes. they produce box after box of really cheap, high-quality plastic sprues out there mm -hmm. where apparently, I think it's God, God's Eye Games has decided to do the same thing. 
and they're making um they do dead man's hand so it's a western themed mm-hmm. um so they're actually coming out with a plastic sprue for you to customize your own um cowboys so here's my idea here some of the spare heads from the stargrave set so alien heads on cowboy bodies there all right cowboys versus aliens all right yeah they sold me i I was like (laughs) if i so if i got a box of cowboys from god's eye games and a box of aliens from north star could i intermingle them make like a little harrison ford there some uh aliens and dusters uh (laughs) so that that's one of the things i'm excited for but right now i'm waiting for the uh necromunda underhive the new starter box which, oh yes yes which should well, have been out already but because of uh production issues that gw is experiencing like we've talked about <laughs> we'll be here later well i think the pre-order doesn't come out till may 8th so may 8th. Yep. i think their specialist games um their box games division is running really behind very normally, much so yeah, they they have, it's 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 not just that division; it's every single division. Well, from Aeronautica Imperialis has not been supported one. the way that its timeline should. No, no, not at but all. Every, everything slipped over there. I think they're pushing Titanicus and Necromunda. No, Necromunda and Blood Bowl are getting pushed harder than Titanicus and Imperialis. And so, people want to blame Games Workshop, and there's a lot of problems. Like I'll. I'll this is be short um, because I have to talk to people about this a lot and uh, working with games workshop directly as a retailer. I learn a lot that people don't know about um, there. Uh, everything is experiencing a uh, huge increase uh, in consumer goods. Uh, everything is being consumed more. Uh, games are more popular. Uh, things that you could do at home are becoming more popular. Board games are popular. Everything in the gaming world and entertainment world are being consumed 10 times what they were before coronavirus. Now, production within that short amount of time can't catch up um, because a lot of these smaller companies are becoming bigger companies because of this. Um, and now Games Workshop was a big company, but they're seeing 10 times increase in players which means they have to increase 10 times but with because of brexit and because of coronavirus and everything they can't produce as much as they can or as as much as they should uh so there is a huge gap in uh want and production so we're seeing a tumultuous time for them that what they produce will never meet the the needs of the players uh they could produce a million copies of something and as soon as they make that there's two million people that want it they can make 10 (laughs) copies of something that they don't think is going to be popular that's just for a one of their like little games well guess what that game just got 500 new players and now those 10 copies are have to be shared with 500 people So it's every game is becoming more popular. Every single manufacturer of gaming is experiencing this. Uh, Doesn't matter how big or small the game company is. There is shortages on everything right now. Um, So be patient with your local game store. Be patient with Games Workshop. Um, Say what you want about uh, Hasbro and them and Watsi so uh, they could you know um but a lot of the game producers are having trouble so just be patient with them it's uh it's a rough time for all of us and they're just they they are trying their best well that's a it's a fair statement there but that's why i noticed at least games workshop doesn't talk about something unless they know they can deliver it exactly uh unlike kickstarter some of these companies out there <laughs> that's very very true yes the completely transparent in their failure to deliver to you 100 <laughs> <laughs> percent. yep so uh i've finally got noticed that my copy of uh drug war z the rule book will finally be coming i got the miniatures a long time ago it's just the rule book and i finally got my gangs of the undercity 
rulebook there. So, um, nice. AKA Shadowrun skirmish miniature game. So, yes. <laughs> but as, as we look forward to uh, Necromunda and uh, Cyberpunk Red, and hopefully Games Workshop will keep on delivering. But uh, thank you for joining us at Miniature Wargaming Labs. And Brian, do you want to sign off here? Yep. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>